Hello, and welcome to Finding My New Voice. I'm your host Kevin Tuhus. This is a podcast dedicated to cancer survivors and those who are currently battling cancer. This is Season 1, Episode 9. This podcast is a platform for anyone who has had their life impacted by cancer to share their stories. Whether you're a survivor, currently in treatment, or had a loved one diagnosed with cancer, please feel free to visit our website at https colon forward slash forward slash www.findingmynewvoice.com. You can leave comments or leave video and audio clips. You can also leave a message simply by clicking on contact, scrolling down, and completing the form. On your cell phone, tap on the hamburger button, then tap on contact and scroll down. Due to the aggressive throat cancer I had, they were forced to remove my voice box, and that is why my part of this podcast is done with a computer-generated voice. I'm very proud of this episode for many reasons, the most significant being, the upcoming interview with Dr. Tomei, because it marks a new level of achievement and success for this show. The host website that I use, measures these things by the number of downloads, or how many shows I publish. I measure them based on the show taking steps towards fulfilling its intended purpose. Having a medical professional impart their expert knowledge, along with sharing a little bit about themselves as a person, is a momentous goal attained. I hope to continue this trend. One thing I would like to clarify is, my definition of a live interview. Basically that means, it's with a live person, with a human voice that conveys emotion and animation. In actuality, all interviews are pre-recorded and edited for later release. This part is for the gentleman from Superior, Wisconsin who left a comment on our website regarding questions for the doctor. Since the show had already been recorded, and due to time constraints, I was unable to ask about those things. I will ask him on my next visit, July 7th, and relay it on the following episode. I went to check my notes to see if we had gotten to those questions, and when I returned to the website to reply, you had removed your post. I would be very interested in hearing from you about your situation, and letting us know how you and your wife are doing. Also any feedback would be greatly appreciated. And finally, I would like to make a correction about a post I left on the website that said, this interview was recorded on February 14th. I did have a visit with him on that day, but this was recorded after my visit on April 13th. In my defense, I smoke a lot of weed. So without further ado. Thank you for being here, and welcome to the show. Uh, yeah, thank you, Mr. Tuas, for, for letting me, you know, share with this, this uh, podcast of yours. And I'm, I'm happy to be here in any way, shape, or form that I can, can help you out. Tell us your name, occupation, current place of employment, and your age. My name is uh, Shafiq Tomei. I'm a head and neck surgical oncologist at uh, Banner MD Anderson in uh, Gilbert's as well as in Phoenix. Um, I'm 42 years old uh, and, um, you know, um, been practicing, been out of fellowship since uh, 2014. At this time, I officially give you permission to talk about any and all aspects of my case. Before we get into the heavy subject matter, your profession is without a doubt considered very high pressure. How do you personally relieve that stress and escape for a little bit? 
I depend on religion. I depend on uh, God and spirituality for uh, a lot of my stress relief. And you know, knowing when, as a as a human being, I can intervene and when things are you know kind of bigger than me. Uh, I think if you think that you can fix everything, you're you're gonna you know have huge st- stress in a in a field like this. So I, I know when when I can intervene and when I can't. I think you know when I was uh, early in my training, I didn't quite have that figured out, and so everything was quite stressful. Um, all the cases, you know, keep you up at night trying to plan plan how the surgeries would be. Um, but um, as you get further into your um, uh, training and f- so forth, it becomes a little bit less stressful, honestly. Um, cause you start to accept the fact that there are some things we can't change uh, on top of a spiritual background. I think, you know, my wife is a huge support for me and she, um, uh, you know, I come home to her, um, happy face. Um, and she, uh, is a huge stress reliever for me. Uh, she really supports me. She really respects me. Um, makes me feel like what I'm doing is important. So it, it, it kind of helps me that way. Um, I'm also a runner. Uh, so I run uh, about five to six days a week to try to keep, you know, that helps me, uh, relieve stress. I'm just curious, do you have any pets? I do have um, a dog, Luna. Uh, she's a golden doodle. Um, I've had her for about four years. Um, and she's, you know, a great companion as well. That unconditional love is definitely a great source of comfort. Okay, tell us about your history in medicine. What made you want to become a doctor? Your education and the transition since graduation that brought you to this point. Um, my father's influence was a, was a huge influence as to, um, why I became a doctor. He was a a trauma and vascular surgeon. Uh, and you know, he did a really good, I mean, he was respected in his field. He was respected in the community. Um, and so it, you know, as a child, you see this growing up and you, you, you want to be like your dad. Um, I, I'm the youngest of four kids. My brother, um, didn't want to do medicine at all. Neither did my uh, oldest sister. Uh, my sister that's just a, uh, older than me, she went to become a dentist. Um, but you know, they, my family still wanted an actual medical, medical doctor. Uh, so it kind of fell on my, my hands. Uh, but I also, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, 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 it was something that I thought I could, could enjoy doing. Um, prior to medical school, I was a, a programmer and a, and a computer technician. So, um, I went to Arizona state university for undergrad, um, and uh, um, after that, I, fin- I, I uh, took a couple of years off because I kind of graduated early at, at age 20. So I took two years, uh, moved out to Virginia and uh, did uh, computer programming for the Mary Washington College and the College of William & Mary. Um, after that, I, I then went into Medical College of Wisconsin um, for medical school four years, then five years at University of Tennessee in Memphis, Tennessee uh, for ENT. And then two years of uh, head and neck surgical oncology fellowship at Stanford in California. After I finished fellowship, um, I started as a private practice doctor in Phoenix. Uh, but the goal, honestly, was to eventually make it to, to uh, MD Anderson here in town. My parents are here. My family's here. So I, I wanted to be back in town, and, and I was really hoping that at some point MD Anderson would open up a job. And after about two and a half years, nearly three years of um, private practice, I was able to, to get a job at MD Anderson um, uh, because the job opened up for head and neck. Was there a single incident or series of incidents or period of time that you realized that being a doctor is what you were meant to do? Yeah, um, there, uh, you know, I met somebody one point in my life when I was really young that had had this really weird um, disease. Um, 
they didn't know what was wrong with them and all this kind of stuff. And so seeing them go through some of the, their anxiety and some of their issues, um, you know, I actually thought I was, it was a neurologic disorder this person had. Uh, and so I, you know, I initially thought I was going to go into medicine and be a neurologist. If you look at all of my, um, uh, admissions, uh, essays, it was all, I was going to be the, you know, Patch Adams. If you know who Patch Adams is, I was going to be the next Patch Adams, uh, you know, discovering how to cure uh, incurable neurologic diseases. Um, once I got into med school, I realized that neurology was definitely not my, my passion. Um, and so I ended up going something else, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely been, I would say the first incident is seeing my dad be so, uh, you know, good at his job, uh, and, and working hard and, you know, enjoying his work. And then the, the second would probably be, that was probably the most, um, impactful in my life. By the same token, was there a time or incident that pushed you to the point of almost giving up? Um, medical school. Um, medical schools, back back when I did it, at least, it was it was terrible. I mean, it was, it was yeah, I mean, you had to memorize so much. Um, it was insurmountable um, for a lot of it. And so until I finally got my studying regimen down, it was... Uh, it was completely scary. Um, and so there are multiple times in medical school that you think you just want to give up. I mean, you have the two years, the first two years are like book work, which is intense book work. And then the next two years are you're in the hospitals. And so, you know, you get into the hospital and there's some resident that's picking on you or something like, you know, that, yeah, it's, you know, it, it, there's been my OBGYN rotation by far was the worst. The residents could not say any good words to me. I don't know why they disliked me so much, but but they definitely did. And so clearly I knew I was not going into OBGYN. At this time, we would like to remind you to get regular checkups and cancer screenings whenever possible. We will now take a short musical intermission. This is a song featuring the cello called Sliced Bread. Despite not being what you would call traditional cello music, I like it. We now return you to finding my new voice and resume our interview with Dr. Shafiq Tome. Earlier I mentioned something about the time constraints on our conversation. This was caused by a blunder that I made when we first started. Normally I would attribute this to what I call a stoner boner, also known as a mistake I make when high on marijuana. But that was not the case, because I was not high at the time. I was just in panic mode because my laptop was not connecting to the online studio where I record and edit the show. Combined with the fact I was a little nervous, because this was the first time that I was doing an interview outside my home. I had got the website up and had everything ready to go just seconds before he walked in, so when we started I pushed the play back button instead of the recording button. 
After the first five minutes I realized what I had done and passed him a note informing him of what I had done. And it sounded like this. There weren't... Um... Okay, so after I finished fellowship, I actually, my family's from Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, you haven't been recording? <laughs> I, I was wondering, because I, I wasn't saying. Oh, crud, what time is it? Okay, so I only have a few more minutes. Um, okay, so we'll we'll start here. So, um... There are several reasons why I included this segment. Number one is, to show what a good-spirited person Dr. Tomei is. He could have easily ended it right there, because many people claim their time is of great value. In his case, that is an understatement. He was scheduled to convene on a tumor board in just a few minutes. Number two, I felt very guilty about cheating you, the listener, Dr. Tomei, and myself out of getting the full, and relaxed interview that I had planned. I was unable to ask about a dozen or so questions at the end. In spite of this, I think it turned out pretty darn good, and he has agreed to come back in the future. Number 3. If I had not included this, you never would have known it happened but, I like to own up to my mistakes. And finally, it's good to hear some laughter on this show, no matter what the reason. Okay. Moving on to, my case. On a Friday I received the letter of acceptance for my insurance. Saturday, I went to quick care for scans. Monday was Martin Luther King Day, so Tuesday I was given a primary care doctor. Fortunately they had an opening the next day, and I had my first consultation with Dr. V. Would you say it was a stroke of good luck I was able to go from getting insurance, to being scheduled for a biopsy in six days? So, yeah, I would say that. Um, I would say that it was a stroke of good luck, um, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely knew your case was, was going to need to be done quickly. Um, I don't recall if I was told the stage of my cancer, but I knew I was in pretty bad shape. At this point, I would just like to say, I was never misled, and probably was told the stage I was in but, my only question was. Is it too late? And when Dr. V said, no it is not too late. I grabbed onto that with a kung fu grip, and never let go. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you were, you were in pretty bad shape. You were definitely stage four. Um, yeah. Yeah, you were definitely stage four. Nobody ever told you you were stage four? Three-ish? No, no, no. You definitely were, you were stage four. Um, and, um, you know, we had, we knew we had to get, get on your case as soon as possible because this thing was getting worse quick, pretty reasonably quickly. Um, what was the exact name of the cancer I was diagnosed with and where was it located? So you had squamous cell carcinoma, uh, of the base of your tongue. Um, so being on the base of your tongues, oftentimes it gets too close to the voice box and so that's why you also had to have your voice box removed. Um, Since the tumor was so aggressive, the cancer board suggested treatment was very aggressive. What was that treatment? Radiation. The initial chemoradiation? Yeah. So, I mean, most base of tongue tumors are treated initially with chemoradiation, um, particularly advanced stage ones. 
um, because surgery is very aggressive as you've seen. Um, and so we typically, if we can cure them with chemo radiation, which for the vast majority can be, um, we, we start with that. Um, so your, the initial recommendation for your cancer was chemo radiation. And then, but when it came back, surgery was really been treated initially and failed the initial treatment, um, with chemo radiation. Um, after a harrowing treatment that spanned almost five months, visually I looked okay. Was it my oncologist that had his doubts? I, I think it was Dr. V who was the most in doubt, honestly. Um, yeah, I think Dr. V was really worried that um, that this wouldn't be something we could control. Um, and so, um, you know, he sent you to me to, so that, you know, I could do the resection, he could do the reconstruction. Um, Dr. New... Um, uh, I don't think Dr. New was as involved in that decision-making process um, uh, as Dr. V was initially, you know, uh, as to when to transition you from, you know, your cancer was back and what was the next step. That was kind of guided by Dr. V mostly, yeah. After blood testing showed I had not cleared the cancer, I was limited to an extensive and risky procedure to combat it. If that surgery did not work, was I pretty much out of options? Correct. Yeah, if that did not work, I was pretty much out of 100%. So nowadays we do give people immunotherapy and chemotherapy, um, which can help. Um, you know, some patients do have some response from that and some patients don't. So that would have been the only other option was, was you know, could you have, you know, responded to chemo, immuno, you know, I think for, for us, we were worried because you didn't do so well with the chemo radiation that, that, that might not have worked out so well for you. Okay, we're going to stop right here, and part two will be released on June 15th. Once again, I'm going to skip my usual ending, but I would like to make some acknowledgements before I sit down to watch the 2023 NBA Finals. Even though Memorial Day has already passed, I want to extend my gratitude to all the men and women around the world serving our country. With the astronomical number of podcasts out there I sincerely would like to thank you for choosing Finding My New Voice. Thank you for listening in Phoenix, Mesa, and Chandler, Arizona. Sparks and Reno, Nevada. Northern California. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Ohio. In Europe, the United Kingdom and Portugal. Last but definitely not least, to those listening in Parker and Winkleman, Arizona. I really appreciate you all for connecting with me. Until next time. Take care.